Hello and welcome to another episode of Story Screen Reports, Story Screen's very own news show, the show where we cover all the top stories in film, TV, and entertainment. They already heard the the song, so they know. We don't need to do it again. We don't need to do it again. Sorry. My name is Robbie Anderson. I'm the host of this show, this new show where we cover the top stories in film, TV, entertainment. It's a listicle. It's a top five. You love lists. You love lists out there. You love to read lists. Uh, this is like a list, but we yell it at you. I yell it at you. The guest might also yell, but he also might talk normally. My guest today is uh, the White Knight of Movies, Mike Burge. How are you, Mike? I'm doing very good. How are you, Robbie? See? See? He's not going to yell. He's not allowed to yell. Mm-hmm. No, he can yell if he wants to. I'm good, Mike. How are you? I'm doing good, man. A lot of, lot of things shaking around. We were just talking off mic about some pretty interesting things that are happening in the world out there. Uh, and, you know, um, oh, yeah. it's, uh, <clears throat> it's a lot of fun and exciting and, um, dare I say, it, a, a little dangerous. Twisted. No, a little, Twisted, a little, right? a little intimidating. Yeah. Maybe. But um, more so pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I've been, I've been chilling, uh, starting some new chapters in my life all good stuff on the horizon for me yeah we both sound really excited about all this <laughs> yeah well you know when you when you got a lot of cool stuff on the horizon it also means you're busy mm. um but i've had a nice I'm, I'm in i'm in the uh the middle of a two-week slowdown time where i don't have too much going on besides uh personal projects and like freelancing so i've been taking it easy playing dark souls 3 thinking about the news that film tv entertainment as you have to the news yeah i I mean you know it's uh we're entering a world right now where like news correspondents are dropping left and right like flies you know you 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 know who is going to be the next tucker carlson is it me it could be like who's gonna be the next don lemon is it you it could be robbie we don't know we don't know i hope it's us Um, (laughs) looks like they pay pretty good so i don't know they pay pretty good and then when they get rid of you it's like yeah are you are you sure i i will (laughs) assist in the responsibility of the downfall of culture and humanity and american society for money Uh this sounds fine someone's gotta do it all right so for the uninitiated if this is your first time listening to the podcast you probably gathered news lists blah 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 But the way the podcast works is that I acquire what I believe are the top five news stories of the month in the world of uh, the stuff that Story Screen does, movies, TV, blah, blah, blah. Uh, So I break those down. And what we do is that uh, I will read the headline of the article. I will read who wrote the article. And I'll read a small segment from the article uh, working on my uh, reading out loud skills. So if I stutter, just please don't cancel me. Um, I read these segments and then uh, Mike and I react to those articles. So, you know, if it's like the Joker's at it again, oh, Mike and that, I are just oh. like, isn't it crazy that the Joker's doing it again? He's he's making a scene. <laughs> he's making a scene. I actually heard that wasn't true. Um, I mean, this is the thing is that if anybody knows how to make a scene, it's the Joker. It's the Joker. He's, he's kind of like an attention <laughs> hog. Yeah. Uh, so we will now be entering the first part of the show, what I like to call the real, the new stories. And let's begin with story number one. HBO Max is to be renamed Max with addition of Discovery Plus content 
Launch date and pricing revealed. This article is written by Todd Spangler at Variety. It's not HBO Max. Soon it's going to be Max. Warner Brothers Discovery officially announced Max as the new name of its flagship streamer, lopping off the HBO part of the name as it mixes in a big bucket of new content from Discovery Plus and other new original series. The company announced the name change at a press event where it also revealed a slate of upcoming projects. The rebuilt Max is set to launch in the first it's set to launch first in the U.S. on May 23rd, featuring what the company promises will be an average of more than 40 new titles and TV se- TV show seasons every month. Why did the company decide to drop HBO from the HBO Max name? J.B. Perret, president and CEO of Global Streaming and Games for Warner Brothers Discovery, explained the thinking behind the rebranding while saying HBO will be preserved as a brand within the Max fold. Quote, we all love HBO, and it's brand and it's a brand that has been built over five decades to stand for edgy, groundbreaking entertainment for adults. But it's not exactly where parents would most eagerly drop off their kids. And yet Warner Brothers and yet Warner Brothers Discovery has some of the best known kids, characters, animation, and brands in the industry. Not surprisingly, the category has not been met to its true potential on HBO Max. We also honor we also want to honor and embrace where we've come from. HBO is not TV. HBO is HBO. It needs to stay that way, which is why we will privilege it in the product experience and also not push it to the breaking point by forcing it to take on the full breadth of its new content proposition and quote, it's a lot of word salad. <laughs> Even before Discovery brought uh, bought Warner Media, Perret, Blois, and Zaslav heavily debated the name change for the streaming service. According to Perret, the execs did, quote, look fairly briefly at the various alternatives that would include <laughs> Warner or include WB or could include the HBO brand. And we just felt like that, we just felt like that was sort of not necessary. We had Max, which was short, tight, says something universal, yes. The risk was ultimately that it's sort of maybe less ownable because it's a common word. But the flip side is that also made it very approachable, very easy. And when, frankly, we ourselves are talking about the service, the shorthand was always Max. We never even said HBO. We would just say it's on Max. End quote. Uh, Mike, a lot of corporate... Words speak. A lot of guys in suits really excited to change their name into something that's frankly worse. What do you think about this news story? Uh, first off, Max is a great name for person. Uh, we can agree there. Uh, I think Max is a pretty terrible name for a streaming service. Um, end quote. Uh, <laughs> it, it's this last that last bit that you just read is when I read that before it's so funny because it's like you know when someone starts saying something and they're kind of like defending their actions and what the alternatives could have been if they had chose differently and all that stuff and as they're saying it it's just you're just like you just like threw like an opposite on everything that you're saying right now like you're saying well the decision that i made is good because of this and then you say the reason that everybody is telling you that it's wrong 
And then you're like, but we could have done this and that would have been way worse. And you're saying what you should have done. And it's just like, oh, I, I the just HBO the, brand, we don't need it. And I'm like, no, that's exactly what you need. You what are you talking that. about? Also, like, I just, you know, yeah, growing up, HBO did have the kind of, um, not stigma, but like, you know, it, it was what it was where like HBO is, you know, it's adult television. You know, it's where you're going to see really dramatic stories. It's where you're going to see some of the best TV out there and you might see titties. And like, that was kind of what HBO was. But like, I don't think of HBO necessarily in that way or even in that way in the past like 10 years. You know, like I and like, you know, we're adults. So when it comes to like and we don't have kids. So when it comes to like, you know, the parents perspective, it's just like I don't think I've ever talked to a kid or I've ever talked. I've never talked to a kid. I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever talked to a parent where they're just like, oh, yeah, I have HBO Max. Um, I don't fucking let my kid on there to watch Cartoon Network because what if they stumble across Veep? Like, I don't know. I just feel like that conversation doesn't really happen. No, that is a make-believe conversation. That right, like, that's, that's like kids don't, the parents don't want to drop their kids off at HBO. It's like, what are you fucking talking about? What does that even fucking mean, dude? What does that mean? You know how other streaming services fix that? <laughs> they have a kids-only platform. Yeah, I also think that they, I think they have that feature in the app. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe somebody should fucking tell these guys that. I, it sounds like they went through <laughs> a lot of trouble to fix a problem that didn't exist. God, fucking Warner Brothers, man. It's just like, what do you... I feel like we've had to cover, at least on every single episode I've been on for reports, some bullsh with Warner Brothers is always coming up. We're just like, what are you guys doing? It's not necessary. Like, it's... Like, the Ezra Miller shit, you know, like, they can't control that. And, you know, they drop the ball on handling it, of course, but it's just like... Everything else is like, you guys are doing this to yourselves. Like, what are you doing? And then they just got like roasted on social media, like for days. The Max joke just did not let up. I think their stocks fell also. Well, so like, you know, like that's they also sound like, like good business like people, I guess. I don't know. Well, it's just kind of like, you know, I don't think that any and I think if you've ever like I've only ever worked for like one corporation. I was a barista at Starbucks, but my kind of point that i'll be getting at is that when you work for a corporation you see a lot of like iteration for iteration's sake mm-hmm. where you see just a lot of kind of like corporate meddling where are just like we're gonna do this thing this way now and it's like and it's like why it's like because we have decided that that is the way to do it now it's like is it better it's like no we just went three weeks without making a decision and i think we had to make one because if we don't make a decision then what are we you know and i feel like that's like kind of like this this just kind of level it's like instead of like you know adding in a bunch of like uh discovery plus content and being like now we must change our entire brand identity why not just use it to be like now hbo max is an even better you know has even more value why 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 change it completely and also i just don't think that's something like max was off the tongue. And if these execs are calling it Max behind closed doors, they are even bigger fucking idiots than I, I ever imagined. Who this, says the, that? We had Max, which was short, tight, says something universal. HBO is not short and tight. It's and the same, like, it's a, the same a uni- letters. A universally recognized <laughs> fucking, like what? Like that, I'm just like, what are you guys talking? It's like a joke. 
Yeah, it's like a sketch. Like it's like, what the fuck do you mean? It's like it's like they're treating HBO like it stands for like <laughs> like it's like seventeen letters long, and it's like you know, it's so hard to say HBO. I don't know, man. I I it's it also. I mean, we should probably point out it doesn't matter. Um, ultimately, no. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. It's just like such a strange like streaming is just like me and you recorded an episode on uh netflix yeah the documentary they released about netflix um a while back we recorded an episode in that and in that we were kind of talking about like how much longer is streaming going to be around and we were recording that in the middle of the pandemic like i think that was like still almost like around like the lockdown times yeah and we were deep in it streaming was seeming like it was going to have this gigantic burst because now movie theaters were in peril and everything like that. But now we're seeing that they're coming back and execs are just like, ah, fooey. I guess we do make more money when movies are released in <laughs> theaters where we charge $15 a person. It's, yeah. it's like, ah, these people are just such idiot. Like, what do you do? Like, you get paid to do this. It's not like they just randomly picked up some person, brought them into the office and went like, Greg, how do we uh, fix what's going on at HBO Max? And they were just like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a I, 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 I'm a librarian. I don't I don't really know how to how to do this. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess you could just uh, I've seen Social Network before uh, drop the HBO. It's cleaner. And they're like, brilliant, Greg. OK. And it's just like, what are you guys fucking doing? Well, even when they, I think it's funny, like, even when they launched the HBO streaming service and called it HBO Max, we're all just like, no, the Max is kind of, stu- it's kind of stupid. Yes. <laughs> now And now they're just like, well, do we have a fucking move for you? A master stroke for you guys. The Max can't be the stupid part if it's the only part. It's just like, but got him. And then it's even more confusing because I think what the quote implies is that HBO will still exist as like I what I would imagine is like a tab in your Max, yeah, like library. Just say HBO. It will say HBO, and that's where you'll watch the good shows. And it's just like, okay, Jesus Christ, why the fuck are we doing that? And like, maybe I guess like maybe there's like some level. I mean, I don't know. This discoverability on that app is is actually like the interface on HBO Max is is not that bad. Like, it's it's pretty good. It's gotten better since it first launched, and. Yeah, I just don't think that, like, discoverability of their shows has ever been... In it. Like, there's not someone who's just like, where the fuck is The Last of Us? How do I watch? It's, like, fucking, <laughs> it's just like, it's you know, quote, it's there. You just figure it yes, out. Yes. The risk was ultimately that it's sort of maybe less ownable because it's a common word. Are you fucking listening to yourself? And Stupid. But the flip side is that also... Maybe it's very approachable and very easy, i.e. confusing. Yeah. It's too easy if that, that kind of makes sense. Where you're just like, Max, what is that? Yeah. What? What is that? I mean? don't fucking god damn it. I, I mean, can't. it doesn't matter. Like, the thing is, all of their subscription base is going to, you know, all, all of our TVs that have the HBO Max app will just say Max. Our subscriptions carry over. I'm not even sure if there's a price hike for people there, who are currently it, on there it looks it looks about the same i think yeah. the, the only thing is they added like an extra tier that's like ads. Ult, ultimate super no oh, ads yeah they have they have ones that has ads which i'm not sure if they had an ad tier previous because i always had the one without and then they have the 
the ultra tier, whatever the like what you said, the whatever the fuck one, where I think you get 4K streaming. HBO yeah, you get 4K streaming, and probably they'll remove the HBO ads at the beginning of episodes. You know where they advertise uh, like the new shows and stuff that are coming out, which I've never nice. minded because you it's one fine. you can just skip them, and yeah. two it's like oh if it's an interesting like oh maybe that's where like I'll finally watch Rabbit Hole you know maybe I'll watch Rabbit Hole there maybe I'll watch Rabbit Hole today maybe. instead of this well a lot of news came from uh, HBO soon to be Max uh, as well as story number two something that I'm sure Mike Burge was knew from the moment it dropped to be it'd be on reports and I think is the reason why he has to be on the episode uh, story number two, Harry Potter TV series on Max, written by Tom Tapp at Deadline. At its Max streaming event, Warner Brothers Discovery confirmed a new era is coming for, for Harry Potter fans. The company announced a TV series based on all seven books about the wizard boy written by J.K. Rowling. Quote, this new Max original series will dive deep into each of the iconic books that fans have continued to enjoy for all these years said Casey Bloys, chairman and CEO of HBO Max and content about the project, which he also assured fans would be, quote, a faithful adaptation. Early reports had each season of the series focusing on one book in the Harry Potter book series, which consists of seven novels, but Bloys said the project would run for 10 consecutive years, which would seem to defy the one season, one book assertion. For those of you who would say, who say Fantastic Beasts, could be leveraged to provide 10 seasons over 10 years. WBD, WBD Brass said specifically during the announcement that FB will not be part of the series. Fantastic Beasts will not be part of the series. A deal for J.K. Rowling's involvement in the series have been, has been the biggest hurdle in its path to the screen. The author has creative control over any exploitation of her work. That agreement has now been finalized. Quote, Max's Max's commitment to preserving the integrity of my books is important to me, <clears throat> and I'm looking forward to being part of this new adaptation, which will allow for a degree of depth and detail only afforded by a long form of television, only provided by a long form television series. Said J.K. Rowling, standing in front of a crowd of thousands of people, waving the head of a decapitated child. Since Warner's launched streaming service, there's always been a goal to exploit Warner's biggest franchises for streaming. Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav, taking the reins after a merger last year, met with Rowling several times in the UK. He's even spoken in support of the author, who has been involved in, ongoing, in an ongoing controversy over her comments on transgender issues. Asked about the streaming event, when asked about the streaming event, sorry. Uh, asked about the streaming event about those controversies, Blois demurred, quote, no, I don't think this is the forum to discuss that. That's a very online conversation, very nuanced and complicated, and not something we're going to get into. Our priority is what's on screen, Blois continued. Obviously, Harry Potter, obviously the Harry Potter story is incredibly affirmative and positive and about love and self-acceptance. That's our priority what's on the screen, end quote. As for how close the author will be to the series, Bloy said, quote, Rowling will be involved. She's executive producer on the show. Her insights are going to be helpful on that, end quote. Mike, I know you got a lot of thoughts. Uh, I mean, 
Not really, just a really big one. Fuck J.K. Rowling, stop making her fucking shit and making her money. That's it. Pretty easy. It's uh, insanely easy. Yeah. I fucking easy. love Harry Potter. Yeah. I You're fucking love that shit. Yeah. No more. Stop. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we talked about uh, off mic, a uh, friend of the show, Linda Codega, recently wrote an article for Polygon, which maybe we can put in the show notes under this episode. But um, their piece covered kind of, you know, just where we should be at as a culture with J.K. Rowling and how, you know, it's OK to, I think, both love the memories a piece of media can give you. But also be a fucking grown up and be like, okay, but no, but we have to stop now. Yeah. You know, and I think that's kind of where we're at with this, where, you know, uh, HBO and Warner Brothers Discovery uh, financially have not been doing well recently. They've had like billions of dollars of losses reported in the past year. That's something that we've been talking about all throughout Story Screen Reports since the first episode. It's kind of been. Like Mike said, we always are talking about Warner Brothers Discovery shit. And uh, in the past few months, they've been talking about how they want to do... They're they're rallying behind some of their biggest IP. They're seeing a Harry Potter revival. They're going to make more Lord of the Rings. They are just kind of, you know, they're starting to play by, I think, what's going to be the, the Disney, Disney Plus playbook of like, you know, we have legacy IP. We're going to milk it for all it's worth. And that's just kind of it. And, uh, you know, it's kind of just feels like a deal with the fucking devil when you look at shit like this. You Almost know? Like, literally. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, well, you know, if we do Harry Potter, we're going to make a lot of money. And then, like, you know, the there's been articles written just about the Blois quote where he says, uh, no, I don't think this is the forum for that. That's a very online conversation. There's been entire articles just kind of like um, dissecting is the polite way of saying it. That quote. And, uh, yeah, it just seems that it's made with just the fucking worst intentions, you know? Why is it so hard to just say, while Warner Brothers Discovery is excited for this next chapter in the Harry Potter franchise and series, we do not agree with or condone the statements made by J.K. Rowling that are taking place in a separate stadium than the art that we are creating right now. Even that kind of sucks, but at least you're saying that you disagree with it. What is so wrong with saying that you disagree with hate speech? Like, God damn it. It's so fucking easy. I can't imagine, but they have, they have to play nice with her. Why? She owns the the rights to it, but like they own the rights to the movies. Like, they have to own some kind of licensing rights to adaptations. She can't just go to another studio and be like, you're going to make this now. Well, they would have to she, sign off on that or get bought out in some way. I mean, I think because she has, the author has full, has creative control over any exploitation of her work. And now the agreement has been finalized. So right. I think that she can have creative control over it and be involved. That's her right. And, you know, frankly, even though she sucks, like, yeah, that's probably the way most fans that are still fans of the series would want it to be. Even me, like if it wasn't for the fact that J.K. Rowling was just like a little fucking shit monster, I'd be very excited about this news. Like, I want to see Peeves in in the show. Peeves the ghost. Yay. He wasn't in any of the movies. He's so yeah, much fun. I mean, that was that was, like, you know, when watching the movies, which, you know, were fun and, and a part of our, our youth and adulthood, 
you know, through that time, it, um, yeah, that was always a criticism, right? Where it's just like, oh, it's so cool, but they never got to do this part, or they yeah. never got to do that. It make it makes sense with all that stuff removed. The playbook of it makes sense, where it's just like, yeah, get make something that uh, creates an install base that will only grow tremendously over the course of the next ten years, and make the show also change. They're just going to do the movies again, but have like you know, it's a so stupid. I mean, we're not right. even like. The J.K. Rowling, like, shittiness of it all is kind of just overshadowing the fact that this is a stupid idea. Yeah. Like, the movies just ended, like, ten years ago. I mean, it's a stupid... Listen, all of these <laughs> legacy... Like, hear me out. Like, all of these legacy IP, let's do it again, are stupid. And even you and I like some... Like, you know, I like the fucking new Scream movies. We like the Halloween movies. Mm-hmm. It's a little fucking stupid that we're doing this. I mean, that's why I like Halloween Ends so much is because it's so against what expectations of what that movie should be. Like in sure. all, it's like such a middle finger. But like in the way that like, you know, Michael Myers would like kind of slowly slant his head at that. He'd be interested in it. He's like, mm, that's interesting. I fucking love Halloween Ends, man. Halloween Ends is cool. People suck. And then even like, you know, Star Wars, like... It's a little stupid they're doing Star Wars again, but it makes sense. Cause they oh, a little? <laughs> make, but they want to make money. The, the thing, it's capitalism. And, and the thing is, like, when you're in the late stage capitalism that we're in now, uh, money and business does not breed innovation. It just breeds redundancy. And, and even it's, though, the, like, it's the, you have to keep, like, a company needs to keep growing in profits so they they can't like to go back to what you were saying before it's like if something works if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of thing well the mentality of the people that are in those rooms with the big tables and the ties are like well we need to do something to be able to make more money and it's just like when you just keep making decision after decision that is shooting yourself in the foot and you're losing money you're just like it's that coast for a little bit like it doesn't have to be constant constant innovation and changes and for the love of God, it's just like it. Harry Potter like just ended. It, this is obviously like the Fantastic Beasts movies were not profitable. That last one was serviceable in a way. The second one is insane. Um, I don't know if you've seen those movies. No, I have. The, the you have never. Desi- I have no desire. You've never witnessed Grindelwald's crimes. I've never seen them. You never, never learned been, Dumbledore's never, secret. I've never partaked. Okay. What about uh, where the crawdads sing? Did you? I never heard their song. Oh, I I just wanted to check in on that. Me neither. <laughs> um, it's it's just like the they those things failed. Obviously the older cast does not want to return for a cursed child uh movie adaptation which is probably a good idea that thing operates much better on stage live than it does reading it or how it could probably be performed um you know i don't think do you think they'll get radcliffe to like play his dad fuck no radcliffe i don't think i i don't don't think that they want anything to fucking do with this shit and that's why they're like we're not coming back for that jk rowling is like no no good anymore and she she doesn't have to be it makes no sense she's fighting absolutely no one and just destroying so many fucking people's lives and just aggressively just like just fucking marginalizing already marginalized people for no reason it gets her nothing she gets nothing out of it god like if she was like tucker carlson at least gets paid 
to sit up there on TV every night and lie. J.K. Rowling is not getting paid to be a douchebag. No, it's just an insane crusade. <laughs> it sucks so much. Yeah. It's insane. She feels like she's been she was slighted her whole life before her success, and now she feels endangered of that when people call her out for her shit, and now she's rallying against the base of outspoken people who call her out for her shit. Look, I'm just going to kind of say it real quick right here. We can put this on a fucking t-shirt. Fuck J.K. Rowling, okay? Yeah, I'd wear that. Straight up. Just, like, not good. Yeah, she's a piece of shit. And it's, like, at the point, too, where it's just, like, I am not the person that should be in charge of accepting or not accepting a possible eventual apology that will come from her. But like at this point now, it really is just like beyond that. I think it's like, you know, it's fucked up where even if she sold all of her rights to Harry Potter, like everything that she like, you know, like the way George Lucas sold Star Wars, yeah, where she becomes completely divorced from the IP, it still would not be enough. No, it's the Woody Allen ship. She, like, it's she needs like, to it's die tainted. before you can enjoy this stuff in any small way. And also, like, you know, her, like, philosophy. And I don't mean that it, J.K. Like, Rowling oh. needs to die also, too. I realize that I'm very angry. I have absolutely <laughs> zero intention of causing the death of J.K. Rowling, nor do I wish it upon her. I am saying, I am saying, police? <laughs> I will never get the full enjoyment out of, I own the movies on Blu-ray. I own the books i've got my awesome like uh uk editions they're so fucking nice i already own them the money has been spent and there it stays i yeah. will never stream them it'll be my own physical media if i ever want to revisit the magical world of hogwarts and hang out with my buddy hagrid but like i will not give i will not give any more fucking money or time to this shit yeah. i went and saw cursed child on fucking Broadway, on its final performance of the original UK cast. I spent a lot of money to go see it because I really wanted to check it out and it was super special and it was like a Christmas anniversary birthday gift for me and Dee to go see it. And it was really awesome. And even then, because that was back in like 2019, so that was great. Like things were iffy. With J.K. Rowling. She had said some stuff, but it was still kind of just like, what the fuck's going on here? And then it's just like the doubling down, doubling down of social media just becoming more of like an aggressor and like everything just like pushing these things, which in this case, like it's good that it does so that we know that that's what these people think and that's how they feel about how they think. Right. It just got worse and worse and worse. And it's just like at this point now, it's like, I don't want fucking 10 years of this shit. But you're going to get it. I don't want I mean, it. like, you I know, there's still, it. there's still, they know that there's still gas in the tank for making money. But is there? IP. The Hogwarts Legacy game came out this year. It was very successful. I, I hated people talking to me about that shit because me guess, too. guess who wants to play the Hogwarts Legacy game? You do. Probably. Oh, very yeah. badly. I luckily like, you know, I, I grew up really liking Harry Potter and I was kind of over it before even all this shit happened. So it was pretty easy for me to be like, I'm not really interested in any of this shit anyway. But, um... That game, I don't think that game even looks that good, but it, it did doesn't. very well. And it has, like, the, it still has a controversy, and especially in games media, where a lot of, you know, of the outspoken uh, video game journalists in uh, these outlets are being, like, either boycotting the game, only writing pieces about how the game's problematic, and about J.K. Rowling, despite all the coverage around the game being pretty mired in controversy still, 
the game was very successful. It was like the top selling game in the UK the month it came out. Like it just, and there was other games that, you know, there's like, it wasn't like that dry of a game month either. So like, it just, what are those, what are those tea drinking motherfuckers know over there anyway? You know, they know. Well, I mean, you know, they invented tea. They invented (laughs) tea. As a matter of fact, they They did. They know, they know about that. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to, like, one last thing. Please, please. Just going to go ahead and, like, oh, my neighbor's dog sitter is here. Ah, oh, she's so nice. Um, uh, just, like, for any studio execs or anybody that's in power out there that might be listening to this episode of Story Screen Presents. Please. Um, stop hiring. Stop giving money to J.K. Rowling. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. She already has enough let it just let it go please please stop i don't know that's all i got it's not even a joke it's just like i'm so fucking upset about it and i'm not even the fucking one that's probably i'm definitely not the one that's the most upset it sucks i don't like it it's very exhausting that it it will be the next 10 years of our lives yeah and it's it's just a constant reminder of something that is just like something that was taken away from some people and the continuing like marginalization of well even like the, people the for money, no fucking the reason. money that it generates directly goes Ugh. to jk rowling which directly goes into like anti-transgender yes, yes this is the thing like, funding you and things like that this. too like it is like it's not even like the pipeline's complicated no. you know <laughs> it's just like no it's pretty clear like how no it's just like a works. regular yeah. pipe yeah, like it in just, Mario it Brothers, goes, like it's it up, goes, it goes boop, it goes just boop, like boop, Super boop, Mario boop, Brothers. Yeah. All right, moving on from that pile of shit Fuck. is potentially more piles of shit or less. We'll see. Uh, kind of confident about some of these. We'll see. Uh, story number three is Star Wars Celebration 2023. Everything announced. This story is written by Adam Bankhurst and Ryan Dinsdale at IGN. Lucasfilm announced three live-action Star Wars movies from directors Dave Filoni, James Mangold, and Shareem Aboid Chinoy. Star Wars fans have been waiting since 2019 Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker for the franchise to return to the big screen, and Star Wars Celebration has finally confirmed that will that that return will happen in three films directed by James Mangold, Dave Filoni, and Shareem Aboid Chinoy. James Mangold, the director of Logan and the upcoming Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, will create a film that will go back to the dawn of the Jedi. Dave Filoni's film will explore a more familiar era for Disney Plus subscribers and focus on the New Republic. Among many other things, Filoni was the creator of Star Wars Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels and executive producer, episodic director and writer on The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett and is the creator and executive producer on Ahsoka. Shareem Aboy Chinoy, the Academy Award and Emmy Award-winning director behind Miss Marvel, Saving Face, and more, will lead a film set after the events of Rise of Skywalker that will feature Daisy Ridley back as Rey as she builds a new Jedi Order. Uh, you can check out that article for even more uh, Star Wars stuff they announced, like TV shows and whatnot, season two of Visions. But I figured the the movies is enough conversation for us. Um, I'm excited about the James Mangold one. I'll say that. That sounds kind of cool. Yeah. What do you think? 
don't want it anymore. I don't want it anymore. You weren't excited to see Ray? No. Come back on the Daisy Ridley? No, come back on the I big stage? To. Stop it. <laughs> Just fucking stop. He's already dead. He's already He's dead. already dead. <laughs> Just fucking stop, please. For the love of God. Did you it, watch uh, season three of Mandalorian? Yeah, I fucking watched season Bro, three I of Mandalorian. See, I got to episode two and I was just like, turn this shit. Do you remember off. it was we're like so three excited. or four seasons in and I and you were like, eh, that first episode didn't do it for me. And I was like, oh, it, 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 it gets it catches up. I, you just got to give it some time. I could tell. I, you know, I think so. I can tell when you're lying to yourself. Yeah. And well, I'm like, glad that I, you can I because I I can't. I'm not. <laughs> I was just like, dude, I don't know. It just is. It's it just was, not. I don't want to be mean too because I don't want to bully it because it's like, it's like the embodiment of Dave Filoni. Like I don't want to bully Dave Filoni. He seems like a really nice guy and he's doing something that makes him and a lot of people happy. I don't want to be mean to true. it. I also I like the shows. I like the cartoons. I like, I like the cartoons. Like yeah, and I love the ideas that are it. it there's some ideas that are in season three of Mandalorian that I'm into. Like I like the idea of kind of like exploring like the relationship between the different factions and like the cult like behaviors. Like there's there's a lot to unpack there that is you know fantastical and maybe a little bit of silly, but is also kind of mirroring like actual you know, historic events in society, which is what Star Wars, when it's at its best, is doing. Whether it's doing stuff that actually happened or something like Mandalorian is kind of just talking about the Old West and like how movies used to be made back in the day, like on a shoestring budget, but they've got billions of dollars to pump into this thing and make... Remember how fucking good that first season of Mandalorian was? Man, it was good. For the few days <sighs> it had, it was a lot of fun. And even like season two... You know, season two was like, it was the it was the dark sweetest treat because you're just like, oh wow, they're like bringing in some stuff from the from the cartoons. That's really cool. Oh, they're bringing in stuff from little tiny movies, little tiny tiny stuff. And then you get to the end of it, and you're like, okay, so like I did like that, but I feel manipulated. Yes, and it took me. I think it took all of us a long time to kind of realize like the toll seeing CGI dead eyed Luke Skywalker I mean. come back to us, where it was just like. That was really cool, but is it kind of fucked up? Like, is it kind of like... Dude. Is it good? My theory is that in this fucking new Flash movie, they are going to fucking CGI Christopher Reeve into as fucking super... Like, I feel like... I was talking to my buddy Brian about it. I was was going to say, Brian tweeted that. Yeah, I feel it in my bones. Where I'm just... And that is just going to be like... Oh, I, I still haven't seen um, Ghostbusters Afterlife, but apparently, spoilers for Ghostbusters Afterlife, everybody. Apparently, oh, no. like they, they digi like Harold Ramis into it, who played Egon, who has been dead for a long time, yeah, and like used AI to like make his voice and his mannerisms and. That is just so fucking spooky. That is just like, that gives me chills. Dark is weird. Um, I don't mean to be a negative Nancy on this thing, but not a great news month. No, it's just weird stuff. It's just weird. Things suck. (laughs) I mean, in terms of like these three projects, if I could, if I could spin it more like in, in in a better light, 
Again, uh, the James Mangold one, I think it's cool. If you go back far enough where you don't have to deal with this shit. I like James Mangold movies, yeah. Remove I yourself. I, the, Indi- the Indiana Jones movie, I, I hope is good. Looks good. It looks good. Those trailers are cool. I like I'm Indiana Jones. He's a friend of mine. I, I, he's he's your boy. He's he went to his class. He went to his class. Personal friend. Um, and then the like, I mean, the Dave Filoni, or the, the uh, yeah, the Dave Filoni, you know, Mandoverse movie. I, you know, kind of what we were just talking about. It's like, yeah, I'm not super interested in that anymore, which mm-hmm. is a bummer because I could have been only like a few years ago. Yeah. It makes sense. Uh, the trailer for the Ahsoka show, I think, looked looked really cool. Uh, I think it looked cooler than some of the stuff the show before, but I've been tricked before. I thought the Obi-Wan show was going to be good. And then as episode after episode, I was like, guys, what the fuck's going on? Uh-huh. What the fuck's going on here? And then the, uh, I just think Daisy Ridley's movie of Ray trying to start another Jedi order. It's just like, so like we have had in our lifetimes and, and previous, to our lifetimes the jedi have tried to do this in canon three times this will be the third time why the fuck would anyone try and do this again and again not to be last jedi boy as i always am it's hard not to be um if we just let the last jedi's Uh narrative continue we could have had movies where there were force users and not jedi and then all the cool fucking it'd be Kyle Katarn just everywhere. It'd just be bandits who can also be wizards, and that might be a bit more interesting. If we could have something that's not monks doing monk shit again, and maybe you know maybe that's what the Ray rebuilding the Jedi Order will be. But the fact that it's being called the Jedi Order, not the new generation of Force users, leads me to believe it will be redundant. Sometimes I find myself staring off into the distant sky, just <laughs> contemplating all the experiences I've had in my life, interactions with other human beings, books I've read, songs I've heard, loves I've gained and lost. The world is a twisted place, Robert. Mm. I, I don't, I don't want it anymore. Stop. Just. I don't I don't want it anymore. It's too much. It works for Marvel and to a degree it works for DC. Comic books have always been about quantity. And you got to find the ones that are the quality. And that's usually the the artists that you really like, the writers that you really like, or the characters that you really like. And those are the ones that you're going to get into. I think that it works for the comic books because for comic book movies because it's oh comic books have always had that kind of like spin-off miniseries quality where it's like well you don't have to you don't have to watch WandaVision to completely understand Multiverse of Madness it'll help it'll fill in all the gaps but don't worry the main comic Multiverse of Madness will fill you in on what you need to know so that you're not lost it works in that sense. Like there is a little bit of like an oversaturation and overexposure to these things. Um, that's always going to be inherent in just trying to like make as much money and capitalize on the fact that Marvel is the biggest thing in the world right now because everything is finite that will not last forever. It's already starting to kind of fall apart and slow down in ways that are both controlled and uncontrolled by the powers that be. Yeah. With Star Wars, it's just like, can we take a fucking chill pill for a second here? 
These three movies came out over the course of six years back in the 70s and 80s. And then it was like, you know, 15 years before we ever even touched them again. And those movies came out over six years. And then it was even, it was long, it was like another 10 years. Just relax. It's just too much. It's the the Marvel, or I guess it's the the Disneyfication, if you want to call it that. But Disney is not Disneyfying Star Wars. They're trying to do to Star Wars what they did with Marvel because it was successful and it made a lot of money. I think, for- I think it's interesting. The Disneyfication kind of means you're using it in a way that's accurate, where it's not that people, when they say Disneyfication, it's like, oh, they're making it like woke or like, yeah. cutesy. it's like, no, Disneyfication actually is when you pummel it with capitalism capitalism so there's money fucking left. theme parks yeah. like, that's what it fucking is and it's that's just, what disneyfication is <sighs> i and like i i thought that we were done with the skywalker stuff like i th- and like that's the whole fucking point apparently at the end of that trip uh, that 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 nine movie series is that ray gets to pick her last name and tell it to an old sh- very rude like stranger, stranger. <laughs> did you see earlier today they released like a uh, some of colin Trevor Rouse, because you read, did you read, read it? You read it. And there's the I Kylo Ren things. killed Ray's parents in like, uh, in like a treatment that he wrote. I didn't read that. One. So that's the thing is like, they're coming up with like all these other things, like in certain treatments, these were like the reveals yeah. and stuff. I think and I read like, a super early draft. Of it. Did they have like a competition for like the worst script for episode nine? So everybody was just trying to make it really bad. <laughs> I did, you know, in in college, we did have an exercise where it's like try and write the worst play you could. And then that would be like your exercise into writing like something good. So maybe that's where we're like, write the worst Star Wars movie. And then somehow JJ, they're like, JJ Abrams is one's pretty good. He's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, they forgot that they did. They forgot the assignment. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, wait, 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 wait. It's like, wow, it has like 37 MacGuffins. That's really cool. That's really, really cool. We're really into that. Uh, yeah, I agree it's too much, but we've been saying that, you know, kind of for a long time. Um, it's not going to change anything. They're going to just keep it. It's not going it. to change. I just wish that, you know, you can't do the past differently, but I wish that after episode nine, instead of doing something like Mandalorian, where it just is filling in gaps of stuff we already know, I wish that something like the James Mangold movie was the next thing where it's like let's fill out the past because mm-hmm. they're way too afraid to go into the future and judging by this daisy ridley movie they are still very afraid to push the narrative forward into star wars and you know doing things like knights of the old republic or even you know the james mangled one goes back even further um is a kind of like a safer ground to make narrative so i kind of wish that they had that instinct a bit earlier we will see. Uh, moving on to story number four this is a fun one. Uh, James Bond casting director says younger actors have lacked the gravitas and mental capacity to play 007. Written by Zach Scharf at Variety. A new James Bond is on the way following Daniel Craig's exit in No Time to Die. While rumors circulated last year that a younger actor was being courted and that the age of 007 would decrease considerably from Craig's era, such claims were squashed by franchise producer Michael G. Wilson. He assured fans that the new Bond would be a 30-something actor, keeping with Craig's age range when he started his run as 007 in 2006's Casino Royale. Quote, when we started, it was slight, it was a slightly different feel, McWilliams said about the search for a new 007 that ended with Craig's selection. We did not, we did look at a younger, 
we did look at a, a lot of younger actors, and I just don't think they have the gravitas. They didn't have the experience. They didn't have the mental capacity to take it on. Because it's not just the part they're taking on, it's the massive responsibility. McWilliams added, So we kind of scrubbed that idea and went back to the drawing board and started again. End quote. The search for his replacement will begin at some point this year. Producers Wilson and Barbara Broccoli, which is a great name, have said repeatedly, quote, when people go, oh, who are you going to get? It's not just about casting an actor for a film, uh, Broccoli told Variety last year. It's about a reinvention. And where are we taking it? What do we want to do with the character? And then once we figure that out, who's the right person for that particular reinvention? End quote. Mike, you're uh, definitely more of a James Bond guy than I am. I'm pretty, I'm only really familiar with the Craig run of films uh, that I did enjoy. And mm-hmm. I feel like we've talked a bit of like who they're going to get, who they're going to get in, in the past few years. And even, you know, when you get No Time to Die, you're still thinking about what is on the horizon um but do you think that a younger bond is truly just not the right move i mean a 30 something's bond because let's you know that is where they start with craig and yeah. then you have him long enough to where he ages up yeah but i think 30 somethings is like just fine it would just depend on what the story is and if it calls for him to be like in his like mid to late 20s because it's like One, that's not that big of a difference. You're going to get him like that for maybe one, maybe two films. And, you know, notoriously, like, unless you cast, like, the right actor that kind of looks like they're maybe a little bit older than they actually are, like, they're going to look like a little baby. Right. Um, And I don't know if that... It depends on, like, the take on the character. That's the whole thing. Like, the the fact that it's, like, me and Rhea have been talking... Like, me and Rhea Banerjee, uh, we do a bunch of um overdrinker podcast episodes on james bond movies we've got like several out there we're planning another one right now and on that we kind of always talk about the idea of like when you need to cast a new bond what the rules are and there are rules and it's that relatively unknown is the biggest thing that's why it's very unlikely that it would be an Aaron Taylor Johnson or a Henry Cavill. Like these are too established. Like Aaron Taylor Johnson is kind of on there. You can kind of see how they would do that because he's kind of known, but he's like kind of known to the fact that like Roger Moore was known when he was cast. It needs to be something you need to have. You need to be relatively unknown, but still kind of like in the conversation as like an actor that has gravitas and charm. And then you have to have a bonafide which is you have to have a movie where you are like a spy or something similar to that. And Daniel Craig, relatively unknown. Hard to think about that before 2005, but he was in like Layer Cake, uh, Road to Perdition, couple small parts, but he was in a movie called Munich by Spielberg uh, where he played a spy. And same with Pierce Brosnan. Like he was kind of, he was in like some little things, Mrs. Doubtfire, but he was in Remington Steel where he played a spy, but a goofy spy, like someone pretending to be a spy. Timothy Dalton was in like a bunch of like, you know, um, uh, uh, period pieces, uh, period piece, like movies and TV shows and stuff. Um, but he was in this movie. I can't remember what the fucking name of it was now where he essentially played like a mischievous little detective uh, where you kind of get. Oh, well, I mean, also Flash Gordon. He was kind of like, you know, he's like sure. the hero figure of Flash Gordon. 
And then same with Roger Moore. Roger Moore was the saint for like almost 10 years, which is like a spy. So it's like how you kind of get there is you have to have that bonafide and be relatively unknown to like wider audiences. And that makes sense because what he's saying at the end of this quote right here is like, it's not so much about like the reinvention angle, figuring out what that particular reinvention is and who can be cast perfectly into what the next phase of bond is going to be that is important right but it's also important that this person that you pick is going to be bond for the next like 15 years like that's a commitment you have to find somebody that is willing to do that and can do it and can work with different directors in order to be able to pull off a character that has the similarities to bond that he needs but also can put his own stamp on it yeah, and I think that, you know, what I like about that kind of final quote as well is talking about, like, not just the right actor to, you know, bring the vibe to the table, but also, like, the right actor for the right reinvention. And that's kind of, like, where I was curious about it. It's just, like, what is the tone of a new James Bond? When you think about, like, the Casino Royale era and kind of where it started, like, you know, those movies feel like they are of a time. Like, they feel like early to mid 2000s mm-hmm. action movies they really you know they're they're following the trend of those movies casino royale you know very kind of like uh desert environments big action set pieces uh lower on gadgets like you know it's they were kind of just like following certain trends and then you know obviously those movies have their own kind of stylistic and and set piece arc as you know the trends changed even in the time that the craig run was going but i am curious like what is you know what is the new fresh stamp for james bond and you know it's like do they go further into like do they do they remain in our present time do they deal more with like cybersecurity? do they deal more with like proxy wars things like that do they go further into the future do they make a movie that's in the past and try and recapture like the 60s era mm-hmm. of bond and make that new for us mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, it's what that decision is, is truly what decides who the actor is. It's just like, what is the vibe of the new James Bond movie? Because is it just going to, because it can't just be spies and espionage. That's only one tasting note on the beverage, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think like, you know, I have like my ideas and uh, like the not sure. even like theories essentially because like it's all about like how it lands there's so many conversations and questions and answers that need to be filled in for any of these decisions to be made i think that it would be very cool if they took a oneer and they had um uh an older actor play an older bond now obviously now is not the time for that because they just killed him. Well, they just well. killed him. Well, I'm talking old. <laughs> yeah. Like one of the weirdest things about the Craig you run. Do, you want to do Logan, but James Bond. Yeah. Like he's just older. Yeah. He's dried out. Like there's, there's a, there's this awesome short film um, that is like animated. That's uh, like an older Sean Connery, like Bond, like kind of short story. Uh, it's available on YouTube. Um, it's really, really cool. And like the atmosphere and like, kind of like the, the things that you could talk about, like in that of just like a life 
the type of life that this guy has lived, like what would that do to somebody when they're older and they're pulled back in for one last thing? That could be a fun thing to just do like this, this one-off kind of like George Lazenby in um, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. It'd be really cool if they brought Pierce Brosnan back to just do it. I mean, I think that that would be the only way that they could probably get away with it and be like, this is a continuation of that iteration of Bond. And that could actually work as an amazing kind of palate cleanser going into the next one, you know? It also would follow the trend of the legacy sequel. Yeah. You know, like you could do something like that. I would imagine Brosnan would probably be into it. He's still in pretty good shape. He's looking good. He was Um, just saying uh, it's Black Adam, right? What is it? Is that Brosnan? Is he in Black Adam or am I thinking of someone else? What's... Black... What? Black is he the antagonist in Black As in Black Adam? Black, Black Adam. I don't. I'm yeah. not. I'm not familiar. <laughs> the uh, movie starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh huh. It it was supposed to change the hierarchy of power in the DC universe. Huh. It was actually maybe the last the last nail in the current DC universe. Like it, it, it ultimately did. It change. ultimately did change it. Yeah. It ultimately did change. Oh, it. is that the one where his head gets really big and it looks like shit? He's like flying. <laughs> and they do this like well, camera lens trick where they're like, won't this look cool? And say, it I'm just like, well, turns him into a Wii get, sports character. It doesn't get big via magic. It's, uh, it's yeah, the trickery of perspective. Uh, lenses. Um, lenses. Um, but also like, uh, you know, they can go the route of like hire uh, an actor of color. Like there's nothing in it that really kind of states that the core fundamentals of Bond needs to be a white guy. Um, just like nothing in the fundamentals of Bond say that he needs to be straight. Like, you know, the Craig Bond kind of like gave us that just as much as like, you're kind of like, I mean, these people are spies. They got to do some fucked up shit. Like, don't get me wrong. The kind of privilege and the, um, the entitlement that is given to a white man, uh, especially trying to, you know, infiltrate certain operations of high society works better. Uh, unfortunately, but they could go that route. I mean, my big pull is uh, Jack Loudon, uh, who was in Dunkirk and Benediction. He's in the show Slow Horses. He's is he the blonde guy. He's the blonde guy. Oh, he's great. I he's was thinking great. about him. He's great. Before, I mean, yeah. he's a relatively unknown. He's fit. He's charming. He's a very good actor. He's got like those kind of like awards. Like, he's He was in a Christopher Nolan movie. He was in a movie yeah. that was, uh, you know, getting a lot of Oscar buzz, even his performance. And then Slow Horses, he plays like a spy who's been fired and is kind of a little bit of a dipshit. But he's I running and he's putting a gun. Yeah, I, he's, I think he would be good, but I think it is hard when these actors have played like I think it almost shoots themselves in the foot when they play a spoof of a spy. Right. Well, Same with, uh, is it, is it ter- the guy who's in um, uh, Kingsman? The, bo- the boy in Kingsman? Taron? He's a man now. Yeah. Oh, he's a man. Uh, oh, he's a man He's now. a man now. But like, you know, he's, he, I think for a long time, we were just like, he'd be a good, like, young Bond. But yeah. it's like, he did, I mean, Kingsman 1 and 2, it's kind of like, how would you watch a James Bond movie and see him as not? Yeah. The but parody, it, it, you, know? you gotta think about it too like in the context of history you know it's yeah. like it's usually also like like brosnan was supposed to be bomb before dalton but dalton got it and then when dalton dropped out brosnan came back in and it's like all these people that were considered at one point they get reconsidered but then they age out and the thing with craig is that he was bond for so long he was bond for over 15 years so it's right. 
everybody, anybody that was being considered when he was around has aged out just as Craig did. So it's this kind of, it's this understanding of the history of like Remington Steele, Pierce Brosnan played a, played an actor pretending to be a spy in place of a woman who was the actual spy. And so he was kind of like a bumbling dude, but he was good looking and charming. It's kind of that John Hamm stuff from 30 Rock where it's like, oh, he's just good looking and charming. So he gets away with whatever he wants. Yeah. And he played Bond and he played Bond very well. So it's that kind of thing. And in Slow Horses, like he plays a dipshit, like not a buffoon. It's not as satirical as like uh, Taron Egerton and Kingsman and stuff like that. It's no, something it's that a bit, it's a bit more. It's it's dry. Yeah. But it, I do it, feel like it is. You it know. needs to be just a little removed. You know, like it, it, it can't be like he played a spy in two movies and it was serious and there were cool spy movies that had little like Matt Damon could never be Bond. He's not British, but well, like also there's a few reasons. Yeah, <laughs> there's a few reasons there. But like one of the most important one is like he already had his spy series. Now, sure. Roger Moore was in The Saint, a long running show where he played a spy. Those were different times, different right. times. Yeah. Um, I think it could work. But like, again, how quickly things move these days. I would imagine that whoever is being considered for the new Superman is most likely being considered on the younger side for Bond. And that's probably where they kind of hit this, this wall where they're just like, these guys don't work for Bond. Like they can work for Superman because he's kind of just this, you know, plucky, all American, just like cool guy. Well, especially if you age him super, if you start super young, then he can be more plucky and more. Right. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, gee, you know, he's he's a he's a he's a kid from Indiana. Right. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Kansas. 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 I don't. Kansas. It's Kansas. It's Uh, Indiana. Moving on. Story number five. Joe Russo and Fortnite's Donald Muster weigh in on the future of storytelling in gaming and entertainment. We love Joe Russo here. Written by Tamara Jones at Collider. While at the Sands International Film Festival in St. Andrews, Scotland, Collider Steve Wentrob had the opportunity to moderate a panel with Joe Russo, co-director of Avengers Endgame, and chief creative officer at Epic Games, Donald Mustard. The focus of the panel was on comp- was on contemporary storytelling, gaming, and looking to the future in all things video games, movies, and television. Um, so this is a uh, me talking now. This is a uh, interview style um, article. So this next part I'm going to read is by uh, Collider Steve Wintrub, and then it will go into a uh, Joe Russo quote. I'll let you know when. I want to open the door to a conversation that a lot of people are having in every industry, which is AI. I'm curious for you both. I'm curious for both of you. How do you think AI is going to play out in the world of video games and in the world of movies and television? Joe Russo says (laughs) this. (laughs) Joe Joe Russo Russo says, says this is like a mind bending question, right? I mean, we've had conversations about how it can be used. And look, Gen Z is very unique because it's a generation that has if there were incremental movements in technology over the last, say, 100 years, 150 years, they were the first generation with an exponential movement, right? Exponential movement, right? So there's a real possibility now for technology to become really a really important factor in our lives because it's been embraced by Gen Z and they grew up with it. They understand it. 
they know how to use it. That's important, right? We're not in a world where, you know, your uncle doesn't know how to send emails anymore. We're in a world where the entire generation has a facile, facile expertise in it and is also not afraid of it. So potentially what you could do with it is obviously use it to engineer storytelling and change storytelling. So you're having a constantly evolving story, either in-game or in a movie or a TV show. You could walk into your house and save the AI on your streaming platform. Quote, hey, I want a movie starring my photoreal avatar and Marilyn Monroe's photoreal avatar. I want to be a rom-com because I've had a rough day. End quote. And it renders a very competent story with dialogue that mimics your voice. It mimics your voice. Uh, and suddenly, now you have a rom-com starring you that's 90 minutes long, so you can curate your story specifically to you. That's one thing that it can do. But it can also, on a communal level, populate the world of the game, have intelligence behind the character choice, you know, the computer-run characters in the game that can make decisions, learn your playstyle, make it a little harder for you, make it a little easier for you, curate the story. Say you want Fortnite to be a horror game, right? Then you can ask AI to ramp up the horror elements of it. So again, you could curate your experience. I think that's where it's going. How quickly we get there, I don't know, but that's where we're going. Uh, I recommend that people read the whole article. Uh, if you're someone who's afraid of AI and afraid of AI tampering on storytelling, um, it will make you upset. <laughs> and we can talk about that all here. But it is interesting hearing, you know, Joe Russo, who um, he doesn't really make movies. He makes profits. And Donald Mustard, who, you know, as uh, kind of someone who's at the very pinnacle of Fortnite means he's, you know, at the pinnacle of technology and these sorts of things as well. But yeah, Mike, uh, we've seen the conversation around AI grow exponentially it's with chat GDP and in the past few months, um, I guess like maybe, you know, start generally, how are you, what are your emotions with AI at the current, at this current juncture? It's scary stuff, man. It's weird. It's like we made yeah. we made movies for decades and decades about how dangerous this all was, and we're just doing it. You learned nothing. <laughs> I, I mean, that's like the easy pull, you know. Like we've all seen Terminator. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know why you are. Uh, okay, I guess I, all right. Um, I'm more fascinated uh, with uh, Joe Russo. Obviously, not really considering shit that he's saying before he says it, where he's like the Marilyn Monroe thing is, the and the fact that he's like it seems to me know. like he kind of catches himself in the middle of it and like it's a rom com. <laughs> like okay, I had well, we, we all we all know what happens in the third act of one of those. Yeah, so. I mean, what <laughs> listen, we've all had rough days, and you know when I have a rough day, the one thing that I want. It really gets me out to of be it. able to watch a fucking alien version of myself on screen being controlled by a computer, um, meat cuting Marilyn Monroe, who is dead and is an insanely tragic figure. Why did he pick Marilyn? Monroe? What is he doing? It's crazy. Uh, and also too, like this, like an AI generated movie, you know, asking Joe Russo about an AI generated movie is pretty funny. 
um, given his <laughs> history of, uh, you know, um, creating movies that seem like they movies. were created by AI or at least an algorithm of some kind. Is he directing the Ghosted movie? He is not. Is that that is actually directed by Dexter Fletcher. Um, okay. I am very excited to watch Ghosted. I think it's going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, everything I have seen about Ghosted has me just absolutely excited tickled yeah i i'm just like i i i have not been like this like jazzed about a movie since like probably the first guardians of the galaxy movie getting announced like i just like i am just like see i just haven't had the time to be able to sit down and watch it but i'm i'm really looking forward to it that trailer is a journey it, it's amazing i've watched it a lot i feel like i've experienced the movie at this point um, I hear it has a blooper reel, which I'm really into. Um, I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, AI is weird uh, and controlling storytelling and all that shit and like er things that have come out in the past uh, couple months too about like AI being utilized to like break story and assist in writers rooms and stuff like that is just kind of fucking weird. It's it's kind of taking the it's very simple to say it's ta it's taking like the artistry and uh frankly and obviously the humanity out of the art form of storytelling you know yeah. it's it's kind of doing to one of the last vestiges of the filmmaking process like the screenwriting uh one of the last vestiges of that process that really hasn't been contaminated by the uh, aggressive technological advances that we've had in filmmaking over the past like 30 years. Like that's not really something that's ever really been able to be improved upon because it's just, it's writing, you know? And it's like, you know, yeah. it, it nothing could ever really touch it with the exception of, you know, algorithms being like, well, you have to hit these quadrants. So like maybe have a joke every this, but there's always a person at the board with hands and a brain and thoughts doing it like consciously. Um, I would be interested to see a fully AI created feature length film. I don't want that to be the norm, but I think that that would be like a really fun thing, like overseen by like some weird motherfucker like Peter Jackson or David Lynch could fucking do it. Sure. Um, you know. Yeah, I think that, you know, when it comes to some of the more like, you know, it's a, it's a conversation everywhere. It's a conversation in like media and the game space as well. And I think when, you know, a lot of people clamor to the defense of AI being like, it's a tool, you should learn how to use it. Um, and I also like, I don't 100%, you know, subscribe to the idea that it's like so doom and gloom. But I do think it's something where, you know, I believe that it should be regulated. I believe that we should start thinking about ways to regulate it now. Um, I don't. I, you know, I think I think seeing it, it being a tool that could assist artists is interesting, but I also think that the ways that we see it and the ways that people commune about it online are kind of gross, where it's just like, you don't even need editors anymore, because this thing can edit your movie. It's just like, can it? And also, it's like, that's what you fucking want? And for a lot of people in, like, the tech space to be, like, you know, almost treat art like it's gatekept by talent, mm -hmm. it's just kind of, it's like, I just think that we are missing the point of what art is. If you want an algorithm to make a joke, if you want an algorithm to make the gray man, you already got it. Yeah. And that's fine. And maybe, maybe there will be a subsect of movies 
for people who are afraid to look in the mirror that are made by AI who are, you know, basically smell like vanilla and just are great for those people who have two brain cells fighting at all times. Maybe that is good for them. But I just don't think that you can ever really have a story or even have editing, even like something like editing is like, you know, you can tell the human factor is there by, you know, this, the, it's so much is like, what is like driving the story is the way that it's cut together. And uh, yeah, I don't think that in the arts we'll ever see the human nature go away. We might just see, you know, the hashtag of not AI be <laughs> under a lot of art now that we see, but it is like, you know, it's troubling. And I do think that like, it is, it's just like very annoying to have like something that seems like very powerful and could be very interesting just so easily and quickly get like co-opted for things where it's just like, is this what we fucking want? And like, you know, I can't play, I can't claim to be someone who like totally understands this technology all that well. Um, so, you know, I don't want to talk too much out of my ass, but like, yeah, I do think it's something to, you know, be trepidatious of, especially in the arts, you know, and like, like games and stuff use AI a lot to like, you know, cut down on some of the work of just like this AI is making all the foliage in this game. So you don't have like one motherfucker making trees all day. Like, you know, that sounds like a pretty good use of their time. Right. Mm -hmm. But when it's just like, we made this algorithm, like take a first crack at a, at my novel or like, uh, rate the paragraphs of my novel to see how they stack up against others. Just like, I don't know. It just feels like just feels not good it's uh, i mean it's removing the humanity from it like that's it's just nice and simple easy to understand and it's like all about whether or not you know like again this also brings up the idea of like you know we're using ai as this term that's being thrown around but like the term ai for artificial intelligence is also a very sensitive one like that is like there is an intelligence there is like a a undefinable or at least new form of existence maybe not life but like if something is intelligent even if it's just code like that's just kind of the one step away from consciousness like that's that's the whole thing it's like if something can be intelligent and it can be regulated to be able to do these certain tasks the more tasks you add on to that it starts to kind of blur the line between um, creator and the created kind of stuff. And that's the doom and gloom thing that you're talking about. And do I think that we're like close to that? No. Are we closer to it than we were 10 years ago? Yes. And yeah. these things happen quickly. And people freaked out about the internet when it first fucking came out and stuff like that. And they were saying the same things that you're kind of saying, like, this needs to be regulated. Oh no. Like what's going on? Like, should everybody have access to this kind of thing? And the internet had its dangers back then and it still has its dangers now. And like the dangers of AI and deep fake and like voice manipulation and stuff like that is a very intense one. And that kind of stuff needs to be able to be, as you said, regulated. It needs to be able to be identifiable immediately so that uh, people aren't fucking around because every advancement in technology, whether it be for the good of mankind or not, uh, people will find a way to make it not. Uh, they will fuck yeah. around with it, even as a joke, you know? Like, And it's like in fucking around with things like that as a joke, it's where you can kind of reveal the holes in the planning of what this thing is and the dangers that it can present. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, uh, we'll have to see what the future for AI is, um, but it's something to 
keep an eye on it's hard you know like it's it's we can only talk about it not that we only can but you know it's we're talking about how it pertains to kind of what we're interested in but it is something that is really mm-hmm. i mean everywhere and the dangers that it presents like not only to just like the world at large and you can't tell if that's actually that person saying those actual things because the, the technology has advanced so much like it's the same like the dangers that it puts towards art and movies and it's just like yeah. you know certain uh franchises some of which we've talked about today are uh being affected already by these kind of like algorithmic um utilities that are like helping to build it from the foundation up and like those are the things in a movie that you can see where you're just kind of like why are we doing this what is this this doesn't feel sincere and like that's the whole the sentimentality and the sincerity is the stuff that makes a story human and that's what drives the emotional connection that you another human can have to it and if you remove that aspect even if it copies it perfectly there is that thing in the back of your mind you know that this was written by this thing or we might not even know shit they could have been doing this already for a while and that's why the gray man wasn't good exactly you know what i mean yeah i mean i mean we'll see i do think like you know no matter what level this quote-unquote tool evolves into in the world of movies i do think people will always want to see things that are like you know made by curated by humans like you know you want to see a weird um you know dracula movie made by the guy who made the northman and that's going to be made by a human Mm -hmm. with other humans and that's just gonna be the way it is but we'll see i mean something you know i worry about like how it affects the job market like i've been having success this year uh doing freelance writing and it's been really cool but chat gdp puts into question a lot of like you know writing in general and like you know out what if outlets start using it to write their news stories that's a huge chunk of like writing that humans do that could just like evaporate you know it's hard to say but we'll uh we'll see but moving on to the spotlights this is the part of the show the last part of the show where we cover uh the things that are coming out in the following month in movies and television for television i don't do everything i just do the stuff that i think is kind of cool mm. Might be interesting, some stuff that I'm into, some stuff I think other people will be into. But the movies that are coming out next month in the month of May are on May 5th, we get Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. On May 12th, we get Blackberry, a limited release, and Fool's Paradise, a limited release, which is funny because both, both those movies uh, are directed or featuring actors from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. May 19th is Fast X. White Man Can't Jump on Hulu and Master Gardener, which is getting a limited release, which Mike Burge has already seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and May... people are going to talk about it. Woo! On May 26th, my mom's birthday, is The Little Mermaid, The Machine, and About My Father. Oh, a a dismal day. Te- that is, that oh, is yeah. a it's bleak. A weird, it's kind of a weird month. Bleak looking fucking day. Uh, television looks a bit better. Uh, so, uh, in the world of TV... White House Plumbers, which I think a lot of it was filmed in Beacon or around here, mm-hmm. comes out May 1st on HBO Max. Star Wars Visions Season 2 comes out May 4th on Disney+. Plus. Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story, <laughs> comes out May 4th. May 4th oh, Netflix. you don't say, do you? May the 4th be with oh. Queen Charlotte. Uh, Silo comes out May 5th on Apple TV+. Plus. Class of 09 comes out May 10th on Hulu. Muppets Mayhem comes out on May 10th, Disney+. Queer Eye Season 7 comes out May 12th on Netflix. Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai comes out May 23rd on Max. Max. 
Platonic comes out May 24th on Apple TV Plus, and I think you should leave season three comes out May 30th on Netflix, and that's what I'm most hype about. Of course, on this list, I love. I think you should leave. I'm so excited for more. I'm gonna crush it. It's too fast. It's gonna be good. It's gonna make my tummy hurt. I'm excited. Mike, what are you excited for on this list? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, man. Very excited. We're gonna. We already got our tickets. We're gonna go catch yep, that opening night. Seven o'clock. It's gonna be great. Um, yeah. Of course, I'm excited about Fast X. Who can't be? Um, White Men Can't Jump. That uh, trailer for that show actually looks uh, pretty entertaining um, and original. And I love that movie, but it's not something that I'm like... Oh, is it going to be a show? I think it's a show. Oh, I think okay. it's a show, sure, which I'm usually against, but I'm kind of in like... in the wrong section. Yeah, I think that... I, I think it's a show. I think. Yeah. Um... But that looks exciting, and uh, that's really it for movies. I mean, The Little Mermaid has been like a nice, good joke of mine for about a year now, and yeah, it's been, it's I'm, I'm really out. happy that it's finally blooming into this amazing flower that everybody is seeing now. <laughs> um, the Machine uh, looks like a fucking... Oh, I, like I have shit. no idea what's going on in that movie. Um, and about my father, uh, is similar. So, uh, when, when <laughs> me and, uh, Diana went to go see John Wick chapter four, quick anecdotal story. Uh, the, one of the bass speakers behind the screen was, was, um, malfunctioning and it was getting worse and worse. They eventually fixed it before the movie, but okay. when it was the absolute worst was during the trailer for about my father. <laughs> and what was happening was all of the music cues that were semi bassy were just like shaking the room. But because Robert De Niro's voice was so low, he sounded like a fucking transformer. And he was talking <laughs> and everybody in the theater was like, oh, my, he sounded like he was possessed. That's so and he was just like, oh, oh, it's so hot being a tyrant. You're like, oh, my <laughs> fucking God. Is... So I got everything I needed out of that movie with that. I'm good. Yeah, that sounds like a good way to watch it. Uh, excited about White House Plumbers. I fucking, um, you know, just love everything about that show. Uh just give it to me right now. Um, yeah. When they filmed that show, that was when I met Woody Harrelson a couple times over at the theater. Became close friends. Asked me to call him Woody, so I call him Woody now because we're tight. Cool. Yeah, cool. you know it's cool. Whatever. I made uh, Justin Theroux a double cortado with almond. Fuck milk. yeah, man! I mean, I like him and too. His, that that's a guy that yeah. I would, you know. He was very nice. I would fucking nice. eat breakfast you, with him in the same hotel room that we were both already in. Um, after after well, whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, class of 09 looks cool. Uh, yeah, that was. I didn't know much about that one. I think you should Muppets leave. It's very cool. exciting. Muppets Mayhem. I'm yes. into. I just wish it was a movie because yeah. it's like I think it's like four episodes or something, and it's like you could have worked that out. And it's like another thing with the Muppets is just like the kind of tightness of like a nice hundred minutes is just kind yeah, of something that's key You don't that's want, you don't want to, to like dry out the bit. Yeah, or just like oh, this famous person showed up. This famous person showed up. I'm just kind of like right. if they release them all at once, like I don't know if that's what they're gonna do. Right. Because Disney Plus sometimes doesn't do that. Not regularly. Like, oh, they're usually a yeah. week to week. And I'm like, I'd rather kind of just... I can't imagine me being like, I'm going to watch I, that's, the next next week. Like, No, I would I would <laughs> want to sit down and be like, all right, I'm going to crush. I'm going to cross like fucking three hours into this mup and just treat it like a movie. So I hope they do yeah. that or I might wait. Um, right. That's about it. 
think you sh- I think you should leave. Yeah. Obviously, I have not seen all of the episodes. I need to catch up because I kind of just like I just got kind of pick and choose. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like finally watch things. I'm like, oh, that's where that comes from. Good. Yeah. It's great. Uh, yeah, I'm obviously excited for Guardians. Uh, Blackberry, I'd like to see Fool's Paradise. I've heard really good things about it. I'd like to see that Fool's too. Paradise looks like it's... It has, really it, it has like... It could be really great. Or yeah, it could just be like a nice labor of love that's very cute. Support Charlie Day, that kind of thing. Which I'm into, I'm into both yeah, those exactly. realities. Uh, I cannot believe Fast X is coming. Let's out. fucking do it, baby, dude. It's but it's just it's crazy. Like I, vroom, vroom. I feel like there's so little hype and fanfare vroom, around vroom. it. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Vroom, vroom, vroom. It the beginning of the end. Fucking and, uh, Jason yeah, Momoa is gonna get the shit killed out of him in that movie. I can't fucking wait. Oh yeah, well he can't. There can't be two jacked men because mm-hmm. uh, Diesel will will crush. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and then. White House Plumbers, I, I might give a shot. It's not necessarily my C's, but I might try it out. And uh, Star Wars Visions, I actually never watched oh, Vision season one. I only watched the first the first episode, oh. which I thought was cool. Uh, I might give it a shot. That's kind of the Star Wars stuff that's a bit more fun that speaks more to me nowadays anyway. So we shall see. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for Story Screen Reports. Mike, are you watching anything good lately uh, at the moment? Uh, I'm watching all the Jack Ryan movies right now for fun. Uh, you know, like Patriot Games, nice. Clear and Present Danger, uh, Hunt for Red October. I got some of all fears coming up. I'm going to watch Shadow Recruit. I just randomly put on Patriot Games at the hotel at a wedding that I was at this past weekend. And was just like, man, I love these fucking movies. So I'm kind of going through those. And uh, uh, TV-wise, catching up on The Crown. Um, That's pretty much it. Perry Mason just ended. Solid second season of that show. I, I cannot hype that show enough to people. I it's We, just, we started the first season. It's just such a like great, great, unique show. Nobody's got a sad face like Matthew Rice, man. That boy can just look <laughs> so upset. And depressed, and I want more of it. That is on. What do you? What do you? I mean, we're also rewatching all the Guardians, the Galaxy movies, uh, Infinity War, End of Endgame, Beginning of Thor: Love and Thunder. We're gonna watch the holiday special again. Kind of just get ready. I love Infinity yeah. War, man. That's a good movie. Infinity War's great. That's a good. Movie. People talk. People dog on that one. I'm like, I think it's good. I don't know. I, mean, I honestly, the, the further away from Endgame I get, the more I kind of get a No Way Home on it a little bit. Not to that extreme. But it was like, that was definitely yeah. something that was much more special in the moment the first time you saw it when it was first coming out. It's still very cool and structured amazingly. Like the three movie kind of chapter yeah. that they do in that is great. I just think Infinity War is just such a nice, tight little fucking Empire Infinity Strikes War Back cool. movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that. Yeah. The the weird, it's not whiplash, but the diminishing returns on No Way Home is, is very fascinating for me to deal with. Um, we just watched Claire and I just watched all of the Evil Dead movies. We have not yeah. seen Rise yet. When are you gonna go see Rise? Let's uh, go see Rise. I want to see Rise. I'm not sure yet. I want to see. Me she know. was like, I don't know. Let's and do I was it. like, it's getting really good reviews. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I Evil Dead Two is my favorite. I will say. Of uh, I watched the first episode of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Fun. I, don't know if I'll continue. I watched but the fun. first episode of Ash vs. Evil Dead as well. Yeah, and I was like, there's nothing, like, wrong with it. I will say, though, like, they tap into, like, some of the more, like, problematic language that maybe the other films use Mm -hmm. in the past, where I was just like, you know, I forgave you for doing this back then. It was a different time. But maybe we don't need to do it here in 2016. Like, I don't know. 
it's not that different of a time no. <laughs> back then. No. Um, but I thought like the practical effects and then San Raimi coming back to to direct it, I thought was really cool. Of course. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know if I'll continue watching, but I thought it was cool. But yeah, I really want to see Rise. I thought it was cool. And also watching that remake again, I thought that... Remake's yeah, a lot of fun, man. Cool. That's like some cool. good like, uh, you know, like torture porn kind of shit that's kind of done in a more elegant way if that kind of makes sense for the shit that you're seeing in that movie you know it's like yeah it's it's like torture and blood and gore for the sake of itself but it is like that's what evil dead can be that's not what it was it's kind of neat that the series has kind of become that and because like rise looks like it takes way more from that than the others and they're definitely going to make another one so it's kind of neat that we'll at least get this kind of at least a trilogy of like this reinterpretation of what the evil dead movies can be while still being like bombastic and kind of goofy and self like kind of uh winking you know like it's yeah yeah. i think like you know they the evil dead movies are like kind of the original evil dead trilogy one two and army of darkness you know i feel like when you get to army of darkness i feel you can tell like sam Raimi's objective is making practical effects on the main stage and making it look crazy and making a story that is like bombastic and insane. Whereas like maybe when you're watching the first two, he's a bit more concerned with like the horror of yeah. it. When you get to Army of Darkness, it's just like, oh, I think he's actually more fascinated with just like the artistry of the filmmaking. Which you can see that, that he's established in those movies. You can see you that know? growth in Evil Dead 2, which is a little bit funnier and a little bit more like uh <coughs> oh, excuse me. Yeah. <coughs> Whoa. A little bit funnier and more like kind of like effects driven and stuff like that because they have more money. Whereas the first one kind of is this mean thing. Yeah. Just from like how it looks and, you know, probably because of the just budget restrictions. It, it, it's just like, yeah. you know, I mean, there, there's a scene in that first one that is just like, what the fuck? You, yeah. They let you put this in this movie? Yeah. It's fucking weird. I, I think Evil Dead 2 is the the best parts of one and the best parts of Armory of Darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, the meanness, the the gore, and then like the goofiness and the fun. I think Evil Dead 2 does it the oh, most. Absolutely. But it's a fun it's a fun little trilogy. I think it's really cool. Um, but yeah, that's mostly what we're watching now. Uh, watching Vanderpump Rules for all you reality TV heads out there. Uh, you know it's fun that's fun tv mm-hmm. man uh fuck tom shorts he's a fucking piece of shit okay and uh yeah that's all <laughs> i have on the docket today um so yeah uh this is not the only podcast on story screen story screen is a host of many podcasts articles and reviews so head over to story presents.com now right or just so uh beacon? at the time of this posting i think it's turning over to presents but beacon will still redirect Okay, cool. So you can type in wherever the fuck you want in there. Uh, you can also uh, sign up for our Patreon for a few different tiers a month. You can support or gain access to uh, a bunch of exclusive content over there. So please check that out. It helps us keep the lights on. And uh, it's very cool. Uh, and yeah, Mike, do you have anything you'd like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, no. Um, yeah, the Patreon that we got and uh you know uh sign up for our newsletter definitely so that you get like all the all the events and everything that we're doing around town if you're a local or if you're in the area those are going to be fun and uh we've got some pretty big uh announcements coming up pretty soon Uh, a lot of stuff is in the works and everything takes time but it's uh you know i'll leave it with that 
cool all right well thank you so much for listening uh only things i gotta plug is uh like i mentioned a few times i've been doing some more writing uh which is cool for me uh so you can either search my name at pcmag.com see some of the articles i've written there and uh i had a really exciting piece go up uh on 420 about what video game merchants you should buy weed from over on kotaku uh so if you want to learn about that head over there and uh yeah working on on doing more of that lately so hopefully more fun stuff to report on soon but that's all we have today thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next month with more news